Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. Become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Also, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. All right, well, now it's time for today's episode of Nightbeat. The original air date is September the 25th, 1952, and this one is The Bug Killings. NBC presents transcribed Frank Lovejoy in... Nightbeat! Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. I guess any newspaper man will tell you that if you're a reporter, you have to be interested in people. You have to be interested in them to want to write about them, and you have to like people in order to want the facts about them set down straight so that they'll get a fair shake. Yes, you have to want to know about people, all right. Only sometimes a reporter finds out things he wishes he didn't know. And sometimes it's hard to go on liking people after you've found out. It was getting to be a habit, a nightmarish habit, standing beside homicide Lieutenant Tilson at the morgue and hearing the same report. Three times in the last three weeks we'd stood there, and now, number four. This one left choir practice, never got home. What's her name? Mary Sims. Any connection between her and the other three? Yeah, they had a lot in common. All blonde, all about 25, all pretty, and all knifed to death. Same old pattern. Four young women from four different parts of Chicago. Their families say none of them knew each other. Maybe the killer knew him, maybe he didn't. I don't think he did. I, I don't think it matters to him who he kills just so long as he kills. I know. I read your column on it last night. <laughs> Thanks for not asking for my head like the rest of the press has. Well, I'd settle for your head if that'd solve anything. You don't have to be smart to catch up with a psychopath. You have to be lucky. Well, maybe we're getting lucky. Mary Sims had a steady boyfriend. She's supposed to be out of town right now. But anyway, we can at least connect her to some guy. The other three didn't seem to go anywhere but the YWCA. Uh, you got everything you need from here? Yeah, I guess so. Well, let's go out to the office. I want to check in with the station. Uh, what's this guy's name, her boyfriend? Uh, Blake. Al Blake. We're checking on him. His landlady said he left on a business trip yesterday afternoon. Mary Sims was killed last night, around midnight, we figured. Her body wasn't found until this afternoon. When did Bug call? <laughs> That's just it. Before the other three murders, he's always called, said he was about to kill. He didn't call this time. Wonder why he slipped up this time. Because he's a screwball. It takes a screwball to do a serious killing like this. It takes one to call the police beforehand. This is Bug, he always says. This is Bug. I'm going to kill her tonight. And then he hangs up. He may be sick, like you said in your column, but 
In my book, he's off his base. I'll get that. City Morgue, Lieutenant Tilson. Oh, yeah, he's here. Hold on. It's for you, Randy. Oh, thank you. Hello. Sorry, Randy. You gonna languish down there at the morgue much longer? Uh, you got a better idea? Yeah, when's your way back to the office? I got some action going. What kind of action? It'll keep till you get here. Make it quick, huh? I'll fly. Got to check into the office, Lieutenant. If you get a line on Bug or the Blake guy, let me know, will you? Sure, Andy. Otherwise, I'll catch up with you later. Tilson was on a spot. So was the rest of the police department. So, as a matter of fact, was all of Chicago. We've had our share of psychopaths, but this killer's pattern and method seemed somehow to show a little extra menace. Not the least of which was calling the police before committing each crime. This is Bug. I'm going to kill her tonight. Only this time, in the case of Mary Sims, he didn't call. Maybe the pattern was breaking down. Parley listened as patiently as he ever does while I told him the latest on killing number four. They'd better get a lead on this Bug, or whoever he is, or the whole city of Chicago will march in the police department. Maybe they got a lead when they find this Al Blake guy. If Tilson can't cut it, get him out of there. But you sit back all serene and philosophical, saying the police are doing the best they can. After all, they're dealing with a sick man. Yeah. You said you had some action going, Farley. Yeah, I do. You know Professor Murray Blenheim? The psychologist? Well, I've heard of him. I've never met him. He's due here now. As long as the star's attitude in this is going to be so all-fired psychological, I decided to hire a guy who knows the field to do a series of articles. Uh, what do you want me to do, turn in my badge? I want you to help him. You know the facts, he can handle the dream stuff. Ought to sell a lot of papers. Yes, and that's what we're here for, isn't it? If we don't sell papers, we're not here. It's that simple. Well, as a matter of fact, I think hiring Blenheim is a pretty bright idea. I don't know how you thought of it. Oh, you don't, don't you? Well, let me tell you something. I didn't think of it. What do you think of that? Well, I think that's wonderful. Who thought of it? Blenheim himself called late this afternoon, said he thought there was a great need for the clinical scientific approach to the problem, said people ought to know what they're up against, the kind of mind they're dealing with, said we shouldn't attack problems of this sort emotionally, said this killer was a sick man and... Yeah, mm-hmm. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, but when you say it, it sounds like bad reporting. When Blenheim says it, it's true. See the difference? Oh, sure. Come in. Mr. Farley? Yes? I'm Professor Blenheim. Oh, glad to meet you, Professor. This is uh, Randy Stone. How do you do, Stone? Professor Blenheim? Well, sit down, Professor. Randy and I were just talking about you. Blenheim was a small man, and yet you could feel a stature about him. His manner was quiet and reflective, but his mind was keen with an intellect that cut through emotion to the core of fact and truth. I told him about Mary Sims and about Bug. And this Bug chap didn't call the police this time? Well, it's the first break in his pattern. The police haven't heard from him since before he committed the third murder. The fellow's insane. Why do you expect him to act in a pattern when you know right off he's insane? Probably because he has acted in a pattern up until now, Mr. Farley. All insanity, you know, is not that of a raving maniac. How simple it would be if it were. No, Bug has behaved in a specific methodical pattern until the Mary Sims murder. I believe it is highly significant that this pattern has been broken. Well, this Al Blake, Mary Sims' boyfriend, is the nearest thing to a direct lead the police have had. Well, maybe this boyfriend Blake and this Bug character are the same guy. That'd make it simple. I don't think we can plan on a simple solution, Mr. Farley. 
Blake is so far merely the sole suspect. He may be quite innocent. We must be as anxious to protect him if he is innocent as we are anxious to convict him if he's guilty. Well, no one wants to convict an innocent man, but everyone seems to agree that this killer is insane. Generally speaking, yes. But insanity is not black against white, Mr. Farley. Normalcy is an area, not a point. The line between sanity and insanity is often imperceptibly faint. So faint, unfortunately, that crimes of this nature cannot so far be prevented before they occur. Oh, by the way, Stone, I've read your column. I think it's well done. Sensitively done. Well, thank you. I've uh, heard comment both ways. I uh, hope you'll, free, you'll feel free to call on me any time of the day or night, Stone. Uh, I want to help any way that I can. And Now I, I must go, gentlemen. You know where to reach me if you want me. I'm in the book. I uh, can expect the first article tomorrow, Professor Blenheim? Uh, yes, indeed, Mr. Farley. Tomorrow. Farley left shortly after Blenheim did. I checked through some mail that had come in during the day and was about to call Tilson when he called me. We got a line on Blake, Randy. I've sent some of the boys out to his apartment. His landlady says he came home in a hurry a while ago, left again shortly afterwards. He's running from something. Has he been gone long this time? Uh, maybe half an hour. We got everybody looking for him. Broadcast his full description, his cars. We'll find him. All right, I'll be, I'll be down, Tilson, right away, and thank you for calling. Sure, uh, I hope this is it. And so do I. Hello. Is this Randy Stone? Yeah, yeah, why? This is Bug. Bug? You know who I am. You've been writing about me. All of them have. Now listen, I haven't got much time. You've got to listen. Okay, I'm listening. Only why call me? Because if I call the police again, I'll have to talk a while. It'll give them a chance to trace the call. You tell them for me. Tell Tilson. What'll I tell him? Tell him I didn't kill the Sims girl. Get that? I didn't kill her. Have you killed any of them, Bug? Sure, the first three. They were mine. I told the police I'd kill them. I did. But this Mary Sims, I didn't kill her. Somebody's trying to make it look like I did. You've got to tell Tilson. I didn't kill Mary Sims. The others, I had to kill. But not her. But she was killed the same way, Bug. She was knifed. I've seen them all. Don't, don't argue with me. Just tell Tilson what I said. And listen, I've seen what you wrote in the paper about me. That I'm sick. Look, you don't understand. He makes me do it. It's his fault. I have to do it because he won't. Don't you see that? Well, who is he? Who makes you do it? You just tell Tilson what I said. Make sure you do that. And look, I... Maybe I'll talk to you again. You be at the Copper Bar in an hour. Got that? The Copper Bar on Clark Street. The Copper Bar on Clark Street in an hour. Okay, Bug, I'll be there. Yeah, and listen. I'll find you wherever you are. When I got something to say. At that point, I didn't know whether Bug would show up at our rendezvous or not. I only knew that I'd talk to a man who sounded rational, a man who was indignant because someone was charging him with four murders and he'd only committed three. I found Tilson at headquarters and reported Bug's conversation with me. What do you think, Randy? Well, I think I'll be at the Copper Barn half an hour from now. <laughs> sure. We'll all be there. He won't show up if he thinks it's a trap. It won't look like a trap. You go inside, we'll stick out around the place. Uh, what, I, what I meant was, do you think the guy was telling the truth? All I know is what he said. 
If it was Bug, and he said it was, he admitted he killed the first three. Now, why would he admit that and deny killing the fourth? I don't know. Maybe he is telling the truth. Then again, maybe the guy you talked to wasn't Bug. And then after that, maybe Bug and Al Blake are one in the same gent. I, I, I don't know. How about Blake? Found him yet? No, not yet. It's a funny thing, though. That copper bar place you're going to isn't far from where Blake lives. That's what I love about this whole thing. It's full of maybes and who knows. This could be the beginning or the end or nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll be glad to know my boss Farley's got the whole thing licked. He's hired Professor Murray Blenheim to do a series of psychological studies on the crimes for the start. Swell. Tell Blenheim to stick around. Either way this thing goes, I'll be in the market for a psychologist. At H hour, I moved into the copper bar on Clark Street. Tilson and some well-placed cohorts had it covered fore and aft, and even I couldn't tell where they were when I walked in off the street and sat down at the bar. There was no one else at the bar. What people were there were at tables or in the booths or draped around the jukebox. Yeah, mister? Ah, bourbon, I guess. Water on the side. Okay. <clears throat> hey, your clock there, right? Well, just about. Yeah, it's pretty close to midnight. Give or take five minutes. There you go. Thank you. You just having the one drink? Yeah, for now. Oh, look, I might get a message here. Someone might ask for me. My name is Randy Stone. Yeah. Oh, you already got one call. When? A few minutes ago. It was a guy. What'd he say? Just asked if you were here. I yelled your name around the joint, and I told him no one here but I think. How about a message? Did you leave one? No, no, no. I didn't leave no message. Well, maybe that was it. Maybe I missed him. Where's your phone? In that booth over there. Hey, maybe that's your call now. Yeah, maybe it is. Hello? 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 up on me. Hey, what's going on out there? Telson. It's okay, Randy. We got it. NBC is bringing you Night Feet, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Our blood banks are still badly in need of plasma and whole blood to replenish our reserve, which has been almost exhausted, according to reports from our Defense Department. As numbers of wounded continue to increase in Korea, there is a greater urgency for Americans everywhere to contribute blood. There is simply no substitute for blood in the treatment of many battle casualties. Contact your local Red Cross chapter and make an appointment to donate a pint of your blood at once. All types of blood are needed. Volunteer now and save a life. And now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. I left the copper bar and its bartender in a state of shock and followed Tilson to the emergency hospital. Tilson and his men had spotted Al Blake's car on Clark Street near the bar. When he returned to the car and they approached him, he took off down the street. Tilson gave chase and winged him. I waited for Tilson to come out of Blake's room at the hospital. How is he? He's not hurt. I, I caught him in the shoulder. He's scared stiff, though. Won't say a word. I don't suppose your friend Bug kept his appointment, hmm? Well, the bartender said someone called me there just before I got to the bar. 
Phone started ringing again about the time you drew a bead on Blake, and when I answered, whoever it was had hung up. Proves nothing. You don't actually know it was Bug on the other end of the line before he hung up? No, and I don't know that it wasn't. Maybe Blake's your man. That's what you think, isn't it? That's what I hope, that's all. At this moment, about Blake, all I know is that he's running from something, and he's got a hole in his shoulder because of it. Emergency hospital. Not just a moment. Lieutenant Tilson. Uh, yeah, coming. Uh, stick around, Randy. Lieutenant Tilson. Oh, oh yeah, Bonnie. You did, huh? Sure. Better take him to the lab first. Uh, is that all you found? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be here. Keep in touch. Thanks, Bunny. That was one of the guys I sent out to Blake's apartment. They just found some of his clothes in the incinerator. The spots on them look like blood. Well, you said this could be the beginning or the end. Could be both. Yeah. I have an idea that sending them to the lab first is a waste of time. Blake's wound so tight shut in there... I'll bet all I'd have to do is show the clothes to him and he'd crack wide open. Uh, Where are you going? I'm going to call Blenheim. If this thing is going to break, I'd like to have him in on it, okay? Sure. Okay with me. Hello? Oh, Randy Stone, Professor Blenheim. Oh, yes, Stone. I took you at your word to call any time of the day or night. I meant for you to. What can I do for you? Well, it uh, looks like a break in the case. The police have Mary Sims' boyfriend. He hasn't talked yet, but looks like something's going to give pretty soon now. I thought maybe you'd want to be here when it happens. Indeed I would, Stone. Where are you? I'll dress and catch Caxi as soon as I can. Well, I'm at the emergency hospital not far from you. Never mind the cab. There's time. I'll come by and pick you up. Splendid. I'll be expecting you. I was halfway glad of a chance for a ride. It was cooler along the outer drive on the way to Blenheim's apartment, and it didn't hurt to breathe something besides the atmosphere of the city morgue and the emergency hospital. It was still the dead of night, now tattletale gray of dawn in the east. Most of Chicago was asleep. I wondered what they'd wake up to. Professor Blenheim's apartment building was one of those good addresses on the near north side. He was in the last stages of dressing when he admitted me. His apartment was as quiet and scholarly as he was. Sit down, Stone. I won't be a moment. Oh, thank you. Uh, Don't rush. We're not in that big a hurry. I'll get my coat in the other room. Mind if I look around? Not at all. There's brandy in the decanter. Oh, thank you, but uh, no thanks. You do your work here? Mm -hmm. Some of it. My work's never done, I'm afraid. There are books to write, studies to make, committees to serve on, lectures to give. And in your free time, you volunteer to write a series of articles for the Star. Well, there's so much work to do in my field, Stone. Psychology is not exactly a new work, but it's relatively so in the matter of public acceptance, for example. Part of my hope for this series is that out of it may come some intelligent reaction that will one day reflect in our laws. You're really sincere about this, aren't you? Really dedicated Is that so surprising? Oh, a little. Not many men would find the time or manufacture the time, whatever it is you do, to devote to the work that you believe in. Perhaps that's why I have the time. I have nothing else to devote my time to. But there are other things in a man's life. In my case, Stone, there were other things. If you're interested, there is a reason. A single human reason that drives me. Yes, I'm interested. Her picture's there on the desk. Her name was Catherine. She was my wife. 
Oh, she's... Well, she was very pretty. Yes. She's been dead five years. I'm sorry. She was murdered. The man who killed her must have had the same warped mentality we're up against in this killer. A must have had? Don't you know? So far as I know, Catherine's killer is still at large. The crime was... was never solved. Professor Blenheim, you all right? Yes. Yes, I... I just felt dizzy all of a sudden. Here, let me help you to the couch. Oh, it's... it's foolishness. I'm just tired, that's all. How about you having some of the brandy? No, no thanks, don't it? It'll pass. It happens sometimes when I talk about Catherine. Remember. Now, you just take it easy. Can I get you a doctor or anything? Oh, no. No, it's, it isn't that important, really. It's... Besides, we've got to be going. There's work ahead. No, but... no, no. You stay here, get some rest. I'll let you know what happens with Blake. I really want to go, Stone. I can't give in to this thing, and perhaps I can be of some value there. Forget it. I'll call you in the morning. I've seen men kill themselves with work before, driven by all kinds of motives. It didn't seem fair somehow that a man who was obviously trying so hard to forget a great grief would, by the very nature of his work, be plunged into the middle of remembering. I wanted to tell Tilson about Blenheim, but when I got back to the emergency hospital, it all seemed a little beside the point. I thought you were going to miss the whole thing. Blake confessed. He killed Mary Sims? Yeah, we showed him the clothes we found in the incinerator. That cracked it. He said she was throwing him over. She'd fallen for the choir leader or something like that. Said he tried to make it look like the other murders. Well, that was Bugs Point. I don't know. Blake could have done them all. He says no, but you can't tell. We're going to check in the morning with the parents of the other girls to see if Blake knew any of them. Now, if anybody cares, I'm heading for the sack for a while. Emergency hospital. Who? Wait a minute, I'll, I'll see. You, Randy Stone? Yeah. Oh, there's a call for you. Okay, hey, wait, will you tell some? Yeah, but make it quick. I'm out on my feet. Hello. Hello? This is Bug. Yeah? I told you I'd find you when I had something to say to you. Yes, that's right, you did. What happened to you earlier? I was around, but I saw the stakeout. I wasn't ready to walk into the trap yet. Now listen, you've got to help me this time. Really help me. I waved Tilson to the phone, wrote the word bug on a slip of paper, and pushed it at him. He and the operator got busy on another line, checking the call, getting a tracer on it. I kept talking to Bug and listening. You listening to me? Sure I am. You better. It's important. You know Lincoln Park? Yeah, what about it? The zoological gardens there? There's a big monument not far from it. Can you find it? Yes, I can find it. Why? Get there as soon as you can. I'll be there. I'll meet you, see? This time I'll really meet you. I've got to talk to somebody quick, you understand? I understand. You want to meet me, I'll be there. Make it quick. You've got to be quick. Or maybe too late. I've just seen her. If you don't meet me, I'll... I'll have to kill her, too. Bug, don't do anything. Just go to the monument in Lincoln Park. I'll be there right away. Bug. We better get out there, Tilson. He says if I don't, he's seen a girl, he'll kill her. Don't worry, we'll have a convention out there. 
He ran out on one trap you set. We'll take our chances. How about it, bud? You find out where the call came from? Yeah, yeah, it's all here in the paper. It's a phone booth outside a filling station just off Lake Shore, not far from Lincoln Park. It's right on our way, Randy. Let's go. Tilson put out the call, and even as we sped toward the filling station Bug called from, we knew that half the police cars on the north side were closing in on Lincoln Park. They knew their business. Tilson told them how to play it. We stopped around the corner from the filling station. Easy on the door when you get out. You think he's standing around here waiting to get caught? I think you're a whale of a lot better off if we can meet him here instead of the park. Come on. Just to the corner of this building. We we can see the station from here. Yeah, yeah, I get a perfect view of a street that's empty and a station that's closed. Yes, you're right. Anyone for Lincoln Park? You never made a mistake, huh? Come on. The night was still dark when Tilson let me out at the park entrance. The black ceiling of a storm coming was fastening itself across the sky from the east. I walked up a pathway toward the zoological gardens and the monument Bug designated. My insides were knotting up tight, even though I knew there was protection somewhere behind every tree and bush in the area. I stopped at the monument and waited. You took a long time. Where are you, Bug? Stay there. Stay right there. I'll talk from here. What about the girl, Bug, the one you saw tonight? I'm tired. You don't know how tired I am. Job's too big. I thought I could handle it, but it's too big. You're right, Bug. You're tired. You need a rest. A long rest. She won't stay dead. That's the trouble. If she'd just stay dead once, but she won't. I'm tired. Tired. I can't kill her anymore. Have you killed her many times, Bug? Four times. That ought to be enough. But she keeps coming back. I see her. Lately, I see her all the time. Who is she? (laughs) Five years ago, the first time, he wanted her dead. But he wouldn't kill her. He made me do it. Then he let me alone until a little while ago. She came back. Three times she came back. And I killed her. And then tonight, I saw her again. <laughs> Who did you see? Catherine. It's always been Catherine. You got him, Randy? Yeah. Yeah. Let's have some light on him. Never seen him before. I have. It's Professor Blenheim.
schism was complete now, utter and complete. There were two people, really. Professor Blenheim and Bug, two distinct people, occupied one body. Good and evil, moral and immoral. Two worlds pulling against each other, each fighting for supremacy. Two worlds inside one man. That's schizophrenia. As Professor Blenheim, he couldn't accept the guilt of murdering his wife, so he had dizzy spells when he thought of Catherine. And when he gave way to them, fell finally into exhaustive sleep, Bug emerged to do all the evil Professor Blenheim could not do. Like I said, you have to want to know about people to write about them. And you have to want them to get a fair shake. Yes, and sometimes you find out things about people you wish you didn't know. But once you know, you've got to set the facts down straight. Copy, boy. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's transcribed story was written by Kathleen Height, with music by Robert Armbruster. The part of Professor Blenheim was played by Bill Lally. Featured were Frank Gerstle and Larry Dobkin and Ed Max. Frank Lovejoy appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers, producers of The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima. Once again, you have heard Randy Stone searching through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. May I again point out that our blood banks are still badly in need of plasma and whole blood to replenish our reserve, which has been almost exhausted. Contact your local Red Cross chapter and make an appointment to donate a pint of your blood at once. Volunteer now and save a life. They're returning soon. Hear Fibber McGee and Molly on NBC. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Well, I think we've already heard the psychologist as the killer story. Uh, I think that was back in Sanctuary. Uh, but this one is still a good, a good episode, though not quite as good as Sanctuary. I liked Ed Max in this, really getting to play a uh, police officer and the role not being like a doofus or some sort of villain, which is the typical Ed Max role outside of his uh, performance on Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. But this is all for Nightbeat, or is it? Certainly, that's all for American old-time radio, but uh, Nightbeat was a bit more than that. Nightbeat actually became a radio program in Australia and in South Africa. The Australian versions are sold by GraceGibsonRadio.com. 
uh, which sells a lot of the old Grace Gibson production sets. And they have five different uh, albums of Night Beat programs, which you can order and listen to. I should preface this section by saying I have no affiliate relationships with any of the companies that I'm mentioning. That said, uh, if you put in Grace Gibson not, uh, and comma not beat, uh, the second search result you'll get on Google will take you to a page where you can listen to a four minute sample of, uh, not beat. It is, uh, the Australian version, what I can hear. It doesn't sound bad, uh, and the person who's uh, doing it has a good voice, even if their uh, exact accent and some of the uh, some of the idiosyncrasies aren't there. Obviously, this isn't going to be Frank Lovejoy, but uh, it still sounds like it's written in the spirit of not beat. Uh, the sets are about $36.95 in Australian dollars, which is about $29 in the U.S. Uh, currency per set. Uh, but if it's something that you want to check out, uh, you can do that. There also are South African versions of uh, Nightbeat, and those are being offered on the otrcat.com website uh, they've added it as a third disc to their Not Beat collection. So if you go to otrcat.com, you can actually just purchase that third disc itself. Uh, they sell Af South African uh, radio programs. I don't understand how South African copyright law works. And so for that reason, I don't play South African programs on the show. In addition, uh, one thing that I have listened to is Radio Archives did an audiobook, Not Beat, Not Stories. Also available as an ebook, but I really like the audiobook version. Now, obviously, these are not full cast dramas, but they are read so well by the reader, Michael Gwynn. They really feel like an extension of the radio series, and I enjoyed them thoroughly, and I recommend that. Uh, if you're interested in not beat, uh, obviously this, all of these products that exist is kind of a sign of what a special show not beat is and how well it can translate even to an audience outside the United States. Uh, it w was a huge series in Australia and, uh, no doubt in South Africa as well. And to continue to inspire this level of loyalty, it's tapped into something special. And it's the scripts and the way, way it really causes us to see each other's uh, humanity. And I think that Randy Stone was such a great moral center to this entire uh, series. And of course, I think Frank Lovejoy just uh, had, I think, the role of the lifetime in this. Uh, just a really solid, wonderful performance. Uh, while I'm always glad to hear what uh, we're going to bring bringing you next, it is uh, bittersweet because I'm definitely going to miss uh, Not Beat. It's been a pleasure to bring this to you over the past uh, year and a half.
All right. Well, that will do it for now. Join us back here next Monday. It'll be Mr. Keen's Tracer of Lost Persons. Uh, and tomorrow, join us for an episode of Rocky Fortune. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.